0: Sports beat live week 18. I think this is the first time ever we get to say week 18 with the NFL pushing out the games to 17. Hey, you know what? I'm joined by my colleagues, columnist Vaje Gregorian. I don't see the cup of coffee, my man. Where's the cup of coffee?
1: I got the uh Johnny Robinson Boys Home uh mug today going for your pleasure, Herbie. I I almost wore a pen football jersey after your discovery last week, but I thought uh, I'd keep that to, uh, you know, ourselves.
0: Hey, I've always known that you were a Division I athlete, my man. Also joining us, my esteemed partner, Sam McDowell. Good morning, Sam. You're not wearing the all-juice shirt. You, you didn't get the memo? You
2: guys are wearing this thing every week. Um, I'm starting to wonder if you're washing this between uh, between
0: shows. You don't need to wonder.
1: I I just keep wearing
0: it. <laughs> we, we send it, we, you know, we mail it back and forth, you know, to see if we fit each other's clothes, but you know what? <laughs> All right, that was too much information. Jump in the Broncos, uh, obviously get ready to play host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, last week, coming off of a loss, before we look at the Broncos game, we got to look back at two specific plays that have come up a lot this week. Andy Reid said Tuesday, you know, we're on to the Broncos. But unfortunately, there were two plays that continue to stand out in the 34 to 31 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals last weekend, specifically the third and 27 play and the other one, the freeway play that never materialized. Uh, Sam, let's, let's start with you third and 27. I know you've written about it a couple of times already this week because it does keep coming up. Walk us through what happened on that third and 27 play against the Bengals, please.
2: Well, I mean, it's it's the biggest play of the game in terms of the impact on the game. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's the conversion with, what is it, three and a half minutes left to Jamar Chase on Shaverius Ward one-on-one down the sideline. And there's a question about whether or not Shavarius Ward should have been left one-on-one against a guy that had already had 250 yards on him by that point. Um, and the reason he was one-on-one is that she's brought an all-out blitz Uh, so we we've asked Steve Spagnuolo about it to his credit whether you agree with his decision or not um, he uh, he explained why he arrived at that decision and it was hey we it was they were at the 41 yard line it was third down 27 if we force an incomplete pass here they're going to have to punt and they're going to wind up with zero but unfortunately for the Chiefs Joe Burrow wasn't thinking about just getting in field goal range either he 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 was actually quoted after the game as saying, "We know who's on the other sideline referring to Patrick Mahomes. We can't settle for 3, we've got to get 7." So that that call of the all-out blitz played into the Bengals' hand because they were left with one-on-one coverage with their stud on the outside and um and it resulted in a first down that set up the game-winning uh
0: the game-winning field goal and left the Chiefs with no time to match. Vahe, I know you wrote a column on this game. Or excuse me, on that play uh, after the game. It, and Sam just articulated exactly what occurred there from a columnist point of view. What did that play do to the chief psyche? Well,
1: look, I, I, first of all, I don't remember in, uh, and it's probably happened, but a few years ago, this is the, maybe the most um, uh, hindsight um, heavy kind of week. I can, I can recall since Andy Reed's been here, just the feeling of so many things that, that, it could have been done differently that would have quite likely, quite possibly anyway, led to winning the game. Um, so the third and 27 is right at the core of that. I, I, I think that you can you can make a case that there were many different reasons they lost this game, right? There were many different reasons they lost this game. But the one play that really it pivoted on in a lot of ways was that play, um, simply because it – it was controllable in, 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 their approach. And they, even, even the ramifications of, of give, giving up 20 yards there are that you give up a field goal at, at worst case scenario. Um, so I, I just think it was a, a, a really a, a, an important miscalculation. And I think one of the reasons we're talking about it is not only how it affected them in terms of their seating, but, what it says about their ability to adjust on the fly after so many things have been going going uh, so well these last couple months, so it 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 just uh, for their sake for both the coaching
0: staff and the players, I hope it's a a, a bit of a wake up call. Yeah, and they needed a wake up call. And you mentioned adjusting on the fly, and and I'm going to pose this question to both of you: How surprising was it, given the game that Jamar Chase was having? that they continue to lock up Jamar Chase one-on-one, uh, specifically Shavarius Ward. Shavarius Ward was beat on that play. He was beat on an 18-yard touchdown. And So when you have a guy who's just going off, and Spagnola was a guy who can adjust during the game, but he didn't seem to want to adjust coverage on Jamar Chase. How surprising was that to you, Sam? Well, it's a, he's in a
2: difficult spot there because the, the, the calls that he went with um, during the game, were calls that are you know you, you could point to this defensive midseason turnaround and say that's the reason the Chiefs have gotten better. He blitzes a lot. They blitz. The, they blitz the eighth most in the NFL. They get the second most hurries in the NFL in terms of percentage of opposing quarterbacks drops back. So he's decided we're going with our strength. Um, so, but the other side of that is what Herbie just mentioned, which is the adjustments. At what point do you decide, hey, our strength isn't working today, therefore we have to just guard against what the other team's strength is? And that's the decision he was left with on a play like that, 3rd and 27. And obviously, you know, the decision he chose is is what cost him dearly. And at the end of that game, it prevented Patrick Mahomes from getting on the field. And any time you make a decision that prevents Patrick Mahomes from getting on the field with a chance to match, obviously ends up being the wrong decision.
1: Vahe, your thoughts? well right along those lines and and i think when did the chief score that uh that tying field goal with uh 601 left right and there were any number of ways which uh, uh you know sam McDowell kind of got into the uh the essence of the the <laughs> the final moments uh in what he wrote and how he's he's uh explored that so we we'll talk more about that but um that, that that's the crux of this whole thing that was so distressing about the last six minutes, the chiefs played as if um, they had some journeyman quarterback and, you know, they were going to be desperate if they were down three points with three minutes left. And that's not the situation. You have Patrick Mahomes and uh, some pretty good receivers and uh, three timeouts. Uh, they they, I think they, they just, they didn't, play as if they were um, the complementary team that, that we've seen them come to be. They didn't, they didn't seem to be thinking about all, all gears engaging co- together.
2: That, that's a great point, Vi, because, um, you know, the, the communication between, between – usually what we see on offense is the communication between series. And usually that includes Eric Banamy, it includes Andy Reid – and they, they get some input from some from other guys upstairs about, hey, what are we thinking on this next series? And then there's constant communication for the same way with the defense, with Steve Spagnolo and his defensive assistant coaches. In this case, you need the offense and the defensive guys talking together. And ultimately, of course, that's on Andy Reid. I mean, he's, he's the one in charge of it all. But the, it has to factor in your defensive call that you've got Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. And holding them to zero points is not the objective there. Getting three points out of that drive and just asking Patrick Mahomes to go get three with plenty of time left by that, by that, you know, I guarantee you the Bengals didn't want the ball back in Patrick Mahomes' hands down three with three minutes left, especially when a touchdown wins the game at that point. So it's, it's just, I thought that Andy Reid is as prepared as they come. I did not think that looked like his most prepared moment at the end of that game.
0: And Sam, you bring up a phenomenal point about the Bengals probably not wanting Mahomes to have the ball in his hands because that third and 27 play obviously set up the game winning score. And and this leads us to the freeway. Bengals are now down inside the 10 yard line. What the the clock is ticking. At what point do you should the Chiefs have said, "Okay, we got to let these guys score. There's not a lot of time left on the clock. We got three timeouts. Let them score so we can get the ball back in Mahomes' hand. But, of course, they allowed them to convert a first down and then the the penalty in the end zone against, I think that was LeJarrius Sneed, illegal hands to the face, and the Bengals are able to run the clock out. But when at that point should they have allowed them to score? Let's start with you, Vahe.
1: Well, first of all, I, I want to make one suggestion. I was really pleased that Anthony Hitchens told us the name of the play was Freeway. But I think they need to have a a little bit of a evolution and call it the Audubon or something, where they're actually pulling guys into the end zone, because it just huh. it it was a different sort of battle of wills there, right? I mean, it, the the notion that uh, the Bengals were were going to keep trying to milk it and and that the Chiefs were got themselves more and more helpless as it went, you know the uh, the way the uh, I keep thinking about the penalties, and I, I, it is again to use. Uh, Sam Mellinger's favorite term, it is the ballot of the loser, but there was a, a clear flinch uh, on on one play. There were just so many, there were so many things that happened And what was it, seven plays, eight plays uh, from inside the two? It, Sam, I think you dug into it more precisely than I did. I, I just think that it it was a sequence that um, the Chiefs just didn't manage properly is the best way I can put it.
2: Yeah, they ran the last seven plays from the one yard line when you include the kneel downs. Um, so there, there's a few options here. You know, the Bengals get the. I think part of the 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 thought process in the third and 27 blitz, because these are more related than I think people think they are, is if you get beat on that, typically that's going to wind up being a touchdown. You know, the Chiefs, I, I hate to say caught a bad break, but it's an. I, I guess I should say an unusual break, and that that play was a first down, but not a touchdown. So now the Bengals have an opportunity to burn more time off the clock. Even more odd is that it's a first down, but not inside the 10-yard line. So now they're a situation where they can still gain a first down without getting the touchdown. And now that's another three plays that they're able to take off the clock and eat up Chiefs timeouts and and time. And so I think you've got an opportunity there. At you you could decide first and ten at the 11. This is a time to let them score. I think it's too early because the Chiefs had three timeouts and three minutes left. And I think that's more than enough time to ask Patrick Mahomes in the offense to go down the field, especially <laughs> against a Bengals secondary that struggles. I, was that Ralph that disagreed with me there, Bob? Of <laughs> it
1: was actually a Goldie who doesn't Goldie usually pipe up about anything.
2: Um, maybe, maybe she was just saying great point. Um, but I, I think especially once the Bengals get the first down without getting the touchdown, when Joe Mixon runs that, at, at that point you've got to let him in the end zone. You still have the two-minute warning, two timeouts, and the Bengals decide to quarterback sneak. I thought it was a mistake. I thought the Bengals played in the Chiefs' hands there. I think if they kneel the ball and make the Chiefs go, um, the full length of the field, making meet up their timeouts, then I, I think that was the better move. But they don't. I think once they quarterback sneak, you've got to – like I, I said after uh, Sunday's game, to use an Eric Bieniemy phrase, you've got to drag his butt across the finish line there and then just take the time and go down and score. And to me, the decision becomes – Do I want to put more onus on my defense here to make the plays? And by the way, they have to make three plays. Or do I want to make the onus on Patrick Mahomes? And I'm going to choose the guy I'm paying $500 million to to do the heavy lifting there.
0: And I can't agree with both of y'all more. I think, if anything, the Bengals signaled their intent that they were going to try to score a touchdown as the clock was dwindling. And at some point, yes, you do have pride, defensive pride. Let's stuff them. But the call should have been, that freeway call, I think, should have went to Anthony Hitchens a lot sooner than it did. Because that loss, uh, combined with the Titans' win, seemed to change everything going into this final weekend. Now we got two 11-5 teams, and this transitions to Denver. Sam, starting with you, if you could please detail what's at stake here as we enter this final weekend.
2: Yeah, I mean, so the, the Chiefs are going to – they're looking at the number two seed. They're looking at, you know, doing something for the first time since Patrick Williams became a starting quarterback, which is playing on wild-card weekend. And, um, you know, in order for that not to happen, the Titans would have to lose to the Texans and the Chiefs would have to beat the Broncos. And if you simulate those on some computer models, they give that about a 20, that combination about a 20% chance of happening. The Chiefs regaining the number one seed, which is what they lost on Sunday in Cincinnati. It's an 80% chance that we're watching Patrick Mahomes play next week at AFC Wildcard weekend. The last three weeks, he's just set at home and watched that weekend. So yeah, there's a there's a ton at stake this weekend. And you know, the oddity, of course, is that the Chiefs play first. Um, so they've got to play their guys. You know, obviously if the Titans had had this game, you know, the Chiefs could potentially rest some guys. And um, that's that's part of the reason that I think the NFL switched this game to Saturdays to make sure that you know one of their one of their primetime teams with a lot of star players is is putting those star players on the field on saturday
0: and not only that i think they also moved that so there's not it prevents the scoreboard watching so to speak so instead of the chiefs having to concentrate on what's going on in tennessee they'll know what's happening from their living room couches Vahe, the chiefs all this week have said we got to have short memory we got to have short memory you know the cincinnati bengals lost a side can they have a short memory coming into this game knowing what's at stake
1: uh i think they will and and, and you know there's every reason to think that they'll the chiefs will and, and and should have a bitter taste in their mouth from the way they lost this last game and what that meant in in this now it is one of those classic cliche scenarios where you don't want to lose uh make the first game you know feed into the second lo- straight loss i mean it, this because of the way it's worked out, they got to play, they got to play to, to win. And, and this game has great meaning. I, Sam, I think you've looked at this harder than I have, but I, I you know, it's not just one or two is the, in question here. It's, it's, it's a whole matrix of things depending on how three other teams with 10 and six records go. If the chiefs don't win.
2: Yeah. You know, 11 I, and I, six, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah. 10, you know,
2: yeah. I, I, I think, um, some of these other teams that could potentially hop them. You know, it seems like the Bengals are going to rest Joe Burrow and potentially rest some other guys as well and just concede the fact that they could be that number two. Now maybe, I don't, I don't know if they would change course if the Chiefs lost on Saturday since they will have that information first, um, but it seems like that's their plan as of now. Um, but yeah, I mean, technically the Chiefs could fall too, you know, if they, if they lose. And regardless, and this is something else that I've looked at, I mean, the AFC path is considerably more difficult than what it's been for this team the last two years. When you look at just the quality of teams they would have to face overall. You know, when you go back to 19, you know, some of the analytics rated the Tennessee Titans as a below average football team. And they played them in the AFC championship to get to the Super Bowl. They don't rate the Chargers as a below average football team. They don't rate the Colts as a below average football team. Those are teams, those are the most likely teams that the Chiefs will have to face in the first round. And we haven't even gotten to the potential of, Buffalo and New England. I mean, those are two top five caliber football teams. So the, the Chiefs' path is undoubtedly going to be more difficult. I mean, could they still win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. And they're still favored on a lot of these metrics, but not to the same extent that they were the past two years.
0: Yeah, I think if anything, you know, as much as we would like to move on from the Bengals game, it's un- unfortunately we can't because when you look at the playoff implications, the exactly Chiefs right. clearly shot themselves in the foot by losing that game on, on two notable scenarios. But when we look at the Broncos, the Chiefs, this is the perfect opponent for them, in my opinion. Obviously, they're going for a 13 straight win. The Broncos have all kinds of uh, discombobulation over there. They're starting quarterback Teddy Bridgewater on injured reserve, and this is now opening the door for Drew Locke to once again be the starter. Sam, you did a lot of coverage of Drew Locke. I'll, I'll never forget that that – Zoom call and I think that was last year, and you posed a question to him, and before he answered, he said, hey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> so, there's clearly some kind of relationship there. Uh, you've covered him. Is he the answer for the Broncos going forward, and what can the Chiefs expect from him on Saturday?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, I think that the Broncos made a mistake by not figuring that answer out themselves this year. You know, they went with Teddy Bridgewater this year. And maybe that told us that they've already determined that the answer is no, that he's not their future. Um, But I just thought that the margin between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke was so small that you just had to play the younger guy and see what you had. And because they didn't, we don't have a lot of tape on Drew Locke from this year to see if he's made progression from year two to year three. And it's become a much more difficult question to answer. And by the way, the Broncos have gotten nothing out of it they're not going to make the playoffs this year. And if they didn't make the playoffs, but at least they knew the answer to that question you just asked Herbie, I think they would have accomplished something more than what they've accomplished this year. They know going into next year, they need a quarterback. Maybe like the fact that they started Teddy Bridgewater, they've already determined they've already made that answer, you know, that they've got to go out and get a quarterback this off season. I tend to, I tend to think that's the most likely scenario is that the Broncos are going to be in the quarterback market, looking for a veteran guy, um, you know, somebody that's an improvement on Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but you know that Drew Locke is going to be fired up to, to face the Chiefs, especially in the season finale. And matchup-wise, it's really interesting for the Chiefs to me because the Chiefs got burned on explosive plays, one-on-one coverage last, last week. Nobody likes to throw the deep ball more often than Drew Locke does. If he's got a guy one-on-one, it doesn't matter if that guy's open or not. Drew Locke's going to give his guy a chance. So there's some interesting matchup things involved with that as well.
1: Just, just to chime, yeah, just to chime in a little bit, um, you know, we've seen Drew have really some brilliant flashes, but getting it uh, to a consistent place and demonstrating that he can he can live up to the potential, for for lack of a better term, that, that's exactly what the Broncos needed to figure out this year, as Sam put it, and, you know, they're just kind of left in limbo with that. Drew has a chance to put a punctuation mark on the season uh, with, with this game. Uh, it's always interesting to have Drew come back here in part because, of course, he's from here. But also, uh, you know, his dad played for Andy Reid at Missouri. And so there's a, you know, an interesting longtime relationship there. Uh, and Drew has, Drew has not had the kind of day he's, he'd like to have against the Chiefs yet. And I'm sure that that's, uh, that's, that's a real motivating point here in a lot of ways for him this week. What strikes me about
0: Drew Locke is, if y'all remember, in 2019, when Tyron Matthew, of all people, you know, came away impressed with Drew Locke and said the kid's got a future. So to see his how his path right now in Denver has has progressed, you know, it is kind of disappointing for people who do follow him. And I, I believe, you know, if you were to ask Drew Locke, he would probably say the same thing uh, that it has been disappointing. The, the Chiefs, though, let's let's talk injuries real quick. Clyde Edwards Alaire practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Lucas Nang, who suffered a knee injury against the Bengals, didn't work. Uh, you know, but that's a season ending injury. So the Chiefs are probably going to make a move on Friday with a player from the practice squad. Uh, Sam, if Edwards Alaire does not play, or do you think he will play because Andy Reid said, hey, there's a chance. You know, he said that on Tuesday, but two straight mispractices, what do you think they're going to do with Edwards Alaire?
2: Yeah, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to play him. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the ideal scenario would have been uh, that you got the first round by and you gave him an extra week. And, you know, that's out the window. So now, if the whole goal is to get him back for the playoffs, you know, that, that you've accelerated his timeline, that he needs to get back. I still think, in order for him to play in the first round, you'd like to see him out there in some capacity today. Um, now, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they're, you know, we know he's doing work behind the scenes, right? Even if he's not on the practice field, so. Um, but you know, Eric Bieniemy said that Daryl Williams had his best game, and and Harvey, I should kick it back to you because you asked Daryl Williams a couple questions, um, and you know the, the Chiefs are pretty high on what he's he's been bringing to them lately.
0: Yeah, Williams is is having has the opportunity right now going into this game to set a career mark. With a thousand total yards in the season. He's never done it. Fourth year in the league, just needs 37 yards. Just 37 yards, you know, and, and then he'll be fine. Well, you know, when you look at him as well as Derek Gore, Vahe, do we believe that the Chiefs should rest Edwards E'ler for the playoffs? I I think every
1: look, the 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 prime directive here is be first be ready for your first playoff game as much as you can be. And uh I I think that means you gotta you gotta sit Clyde again. I mean we don't know his full condition, right? But I I think the Chiefs have shown us a tendency to err on the side of caution. Um, one of these days I'm going to get out some kind of matrix for an Andy Reid decoder on what what comes to pass when he says things like um, how was what was the phrasing that he used about he's got a chance about Clyde? Yeah, I I think at least in my mind that usually means ain't going to happen. Um, but I, I can't swear to that. And I, I think we could have some fun putting that together. Uh, Sam McDowell, you, you're the best man for that. Uh, not you get on it.
0: Well, the good news is he didn't use the phrase day to day. Cause if he had used day to day, he's out for the rest of the year. I think yeah, we, we know all agree on that. <laughs>
1: especially if he said literally day to day.
0: That's a day to day thing. Okay, coach, we won't see him until the end of the year. Hey, as as we get ready to wrap this up here, let's go with some predictions here. Sam, I know you do your predictions, but Vahe, Broncos, seven and nine at Empower Field at mile high. That's a tongue twister to me. What's your projection? What's the X factor in this game for the Chiefs to come out with a win?
1: Uh, I think they'll have the offensive juice they need. um, and, And I think the, Broncos are a little bit of a wild card to me offensively. I, I, I don't know if we've seen a, a, a little step back with the Chiefs defense or if we've just seen a blip, but I'm going to say roughly a 31 to 21 Chiefs.
2: Sam? Yeah, I think the Broncos are a wild card overall because I think it's, it's pretty well known within that locker room that it's probably Vic Fangio's last game. Um, sometimes that can get a team up sometimes when you're out of the playoffs, you don't, you feel like you don't have a lot to play for on that part of the shows. Um, So I, I it's very tough to predict what Broncos team we're going to see. Having said that Vic Fangio defenses have given Patrick Mahomes trouble. Um, So I don't know that we're going to see the same sort of consistency we've seen from this offense over the last four weeks, if they can ride that momentum into the playoffs. Um, But I don't see how the Broncos are going to score a lot of points. So I, I do still think the chiefs win. I think the defense gets back on track in that sense. Um, so I'm going to say about 24
0: to 13 uh, Chiefs. I'm also going to pick the Chiefs. They're going to roll in this game. This should be their 13th straight win over the Broncos, dating back to the 2015 season. I think the wild card here is the defensive secondary, how they're able to step up. Because, like you said, Drew Locke will throw deep, and he does have receivers. That's the key thing here. Yep. You know, the Chiefs go from facing the Bengals receivers now they face the Broncos receivers. And they do have some capable weapons over there. They're going to get Jerry Judy back. He was activated off of the injured reserve. But I don't think ultimately at the end of the day, the Chiefs should roll in this one. I'm going to go 35 20. The Chiefs in a blowout win at Empower Field. Had to look Empower Field at Mile High. And that should be a wrap for today. Of- For Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and producer Todd in the background, I'm Herbie Teope. Thanks for watching, and we will see you Saturday, not Sunday, Saturday after the game.